Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 23, we're going to recap UFC Vegas 82, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig from this past weekend. From there, we'll draft our top five Thanksgiving foods. Then we'll huddle up for rivalry week with some college football and week 12 of the NFL. And finally, we'll jump back into Stakes and Takes, our betting segment where we give you our best advice for this week's games. But first, don't forget to like and subscribe and then head to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all of our recent podcasts, videos, top fives, and more. Again, that's splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, UFC Vegas 82 from this weekend. This was kind of an underrated card. There wasn't a lot of talk about it, but man, it overperformed the hype, definitely. There were a lot of, on the main card, some great finishes, some good competitive fights, entertaining fights. I don't think there was a boring one in the uh, whole main card. No, there wasn't. In the whole, in the entire card for UFC Vegas 82, I think there was only four or five decisions. One. And even the, some of the decision ones, like uh, Morales Matthews, like it was an entertaining Striking yeah. fight. It was a great fight. A lot of grappling fights, which some casual fans may not like as much, but even the grappling fights in this fight were... They were entertaining grappling. Highly contested, at least Submission visually. attempts and ground and pound. Rolling. Kind of, it looked, you know, some looked like a spar. Not in the sense where they weren't trying, but in the sense where they were like kind of rolling together. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very it, interesting it was very for the whole card. And then the main event kind of lived up to the hype too. It was Brennan Allen taking on Paul Craig, the... Louisiana man, Brendan Allen taking on the Scott, the Scotman, the Bear Jew, the Bear Jew, Paul Craig, Scottish Paul Craig. This came in both guys. I think Scottman is games. right. Huh? I think Scottman is right. I think it might be. We'll live on it. Both I'll guys, on that hill. sick ground games. You would think it would come when two guys with crazy ground games like this, it would come down to the hands, but no, it doesn't. Brendan Allen kind of just dominated Paul Craig on the ground. But it, it, in that though, at least in you know the I mean we didn't get too far into the third round but in round one he he did dominate in striking you he know when dominate. they were standing but then also in the ground and pound while you know yeah. Paul Craig let him have the back those those were some vicious after the elbows. first round in the corner the look on Paul Craig's face and like coming in the second round it looked like he concern he did not want to I don't want to say he didn't want to be there because I'm a big Paul Craig fan but Brendan Allen kind of beat him up in that first round and it was like oh shit. And then it was more of that in the second round. Ended up getting the choke. It's impressive when you can choke out Paul Craig, a guy like that. Man, watching that choke, too. You could tell Paul Craig was doing everything in his power. And then to... you kind of see it in his face where he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then he taps. Tap, tap, tap. And he's like, all right, yeah, you, you got it. And Paul Craig, he, he's a stand-up guy, number one. But on then Brendan Allen got up and like kind of bent that down shit. and talked yeah. shit in his face. Which, Paul Respect. Craig, he didn't, he didn't like touch gloves or anything. So it was like... I like Paul Craig again, but like if you're gonna do that, you got to take that. And Paul Craig kind of just had to sat there. You can't right, get and, and by that. you know he he does a respectful thing at the end of the day. He takes his losses on the chin. He knows. I mean, that's kind of his whole mantra. It's not you know about how you hit. It's about how you you know get knocked down and can get back up a yeah. thousand. So I'm still times. gonna be a Paul Craig fan. I'm always gonna root for the guy. I like him a lot. But man, Brendan Allen, he's moving up the rankings. He looks like he could be a legit contender in this division. A sick ground game. He has the hands. He kind of is a well-rounded guy. He's been in the UFC a while, so he has a lot of experience. So I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Right. He's definitely already a top 10 middleweight. He called... I think he has six wins in a row, which is like the second or third most in the division. Eight wins in a row. It's like second or... I think it's second in the division. It's crazy. It's a lot of wins. So 
Top options for him, I think Marvin Vittori, Paula Costa, I would like to see Jared Cannonier. Any of those three for me would be top five options. Any of those, and that's like a step up, a little step up for him where it would be like, all right, how legit are you? Right. It's a it's a good shot where where somebody like Vittori, who's a uh, grappling connoisseur, you know, before we saw him striking, you know, with with Adesanya or Whitaker or anybody, we saw Vittori as a submission artist. That would give Brendan Allen a good striking, but also— Maybe Robert Whitaker? We're yeah, even Robert Whitaker there. off the loss to Duplessis. Coming back, he hasn't fought in a while. Josh Allen, or not Josh Allen, this is not the NFL. Brennan Allen didn't take any damage, or not a lot of it damage. good in the fight. Very good. I mean, this was a, this is the one you could turn around in like three, four months. Fight in January, January, February, easily, in my opinion. I'd be excited to see any, any of those options mentioned. Uh, but definitely top five is in his window. You know, I, he was 10 as I of, saw uh, Hermanson called him out, and he's like, dude, I called you out. And you didn't want to fight me because uh, you you were too good for me then. And he's like, now you you've lost two out of three, and now you want to fight me after I'm winning. So he's like, nah, I'll pass on that. I think right. Manson's one ahead of him, like at nine. Right, it's not worth it. I looked I looked that up, and and it, it just isn't worth it. He called him out on Twitter. I don't see Brandon Brandon Allen taking that fight. It, no, I think like you said, I think it's like a guy top five, maybe like six, maybe six, seven. But yeah, like, someone that Whitaker Cannonier. The he's a, he's a, he's going to fight somebody where if he gets an impressive win, you could argue maybe a title shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So then next we're going to go straight into the co-main. That was Michael Morales versus Jake Matthews. Michael Morales has some of the cleanest striking. He's a fun guy to watch. Just I have to agree great with on the feet. Paul Felder with his commentary. The dude was not sweaty deep into the fight. <laughs> yeah. Thank Pretty much at the end of the second round, it was like he's finally like he's kinda, breathing. I think a little he's bit. at least glistening a little bit. Yeah, it's like you finally th- see something on him. It's weird that you know that's the that's the thought process that like normally you go five minutes in and they're like these guys are sweating their asses off. They're completely like even if you're well conditioned, you're breathing heavy because it's a high octane moment. Michael Morales stayed cool, calm, and collective. But on the flip side, we saw how durable Jake Matthews was for the entire fight. Like, yeah, and he Morales, stayed in it. We he thought was, he was going to, you know, it was heavy odds. We thought he was going to win it early with Morales, a knockout. We thought he was going it, right. to, it looked like first round Morales was going to knock him out. Second round, he won the second round too, but you'd say it was a little more even. And probably like 10, round, uh, 9 9, 10 9. You could argue that, that Jake Matthews could have won the second. I would say third round is the one you could most argue he won the second. Absolutely. I think one scorecard had it 30 27 Morales, the other two had it 29 28 Morales. Correct. So I think. I didn't look at the judges' scoreboard, but if I had to guess, you'd give the first two. If you scored at 29-28, it was first two rounds to Morales, third round to uh, Matthews. So credit to Matthews. He got stronger as the fight went on. But yeah. I, I don't think anybody watched that fight and thought Jake Matthews should have won. No, I, I don't believe so either. Jake Jake Matthews, Math, Matthews, Matthews did. I'm thinking of the mashed potatoes. He um, He thought of moving forward. He stayed moving forward the entire fight. You know, like I said, durability. He's a veteran. He's been in the. He's had a lot of UFC fights, especially compared to uh, Michael Morales. To Morales. For sure. So, do you think Michael Morales deserves a top ten opponent next? He's four and zero in the UFC. He's sixteen and zero total. I don't know top ten, but I think definitely a ranked guy. So, like in the, I would give him somebody like thirteen to fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't have a specific fighter lined up for like a a top fifth because he's still new, right? He has proving ground. And when he's you're still early. young too. So like, 
they don't want to rush him in because you don't want to ruin. Because yeah, UFC and MMA, you can overcome losses, not like boxing. But right. if they have a chance to market this guy and like as an undefeated, as an undefeated up and guy, undefeated, right. that's more marketable. So I think the USC is always conscious about that. So I don't think you just throw him out there quite yet. But he's definitely, especially in the welterweight division, he's definitely moving up the ladder. Right. He he should be fighting a ranked guy soon. Maybe his next fight, if not his next fight, once if he moves to seventeen and 5 and zero in the UFC, I think at that point they'd be forced. Yeah. Then for you kind of got opponent. to like a kind of like they what happened with Sean O'Malley. Right. He just kept tried knocking to protect people him for out. a while, and was like, okay, we got to. Yeah, you can't feed him people. At fans some point, are going to be you can at first, but like at some point, you're like, "How good is this dude?" Right, exactly. Figure it out. But yeah, so we move on to the now the next fight: Chase Hooper, Jordan Levitt. This total grappling match, I think it only lasted like three minutes. Yeah, it was it was the first round finished at three and a half minutes, something like that. It ended with a Chase Hooper uh, choke submission submission over Jordan Levitt. But this was a fight. Both guys, like I said, it was a grappling match. Both guys grabbing legs, grabbing ankles. Two going minutes, for sub- 58 seconds. Going for submissions. They were rolling. It was entertaining rolling, entertaining positioning. I mean, as a grappling match, that's about as entertaining as you can get. Yeah, and, dude, this fight had quick. like four significant strikes. And it wasn't boring at all. No. Which is a crazy thing, which usually don't equate those two things together. Um, I, I would say they had dynamic transitions on the ground. That left me excited, and I would say it left the fans, whoever was in the apex, excited because when you're, when you kind of know you're getting a grappling match, a lot of times as a fan and casual fans aren't aren't the only ones. I do this the same. I think a fight might be boring. You know, I don't I don't want to see a an all ground game fight, but tonight's card proved that you know they they can still be electric. They can be. You know, high octane ground thrillers. And Chase Chase Hooper finally ended his alternating win loss thing. Since he's been in UFC coming into this, he right. had alternated win loss to a four and three record. So and that's why I picked. Three. That's why I picked Jordan Levitt was because he had done that. So for so the first often. time in his UFC career, he gets two straight wins, which is a huge deal for him. Moves thirteen and three overall. That's his fourth UFC finish. His se- only his second sub, which I found surprising, but a great it, win for him. This was two guys that. I think whoever won kind of elevated themselves a little bit. Whoever loses, you know, they're not in danger of getting cut by the UFC, but they're kind of in that gray area. Right. My only issue, well, I guess I have two issues. One, Chase Hooper, after his win, he didn't really call anybody out, which I, I respect, but then he took what to was Instagram. What 155? 155. That's my yeah. second issue. Hold on. The first issue is the call out to Francis Ngannou. Um, not really an issue. It's just like, ah, you, you, you know, you, you're kind of surmounted the win-loss thing call somebody out man at at least the next guy up at least just take a shot but at the same time they're not they're not on good terms with the ufc it's like (laughs) i was gonna say i don't i like chase hooper i don't want to see him get we talked about how deadly this 155 division is that's a problem that's the biggest problem guys i don't see any of these rank guys where i go into that matchup excited to watch chase hooper get i mean can you imagine that Benoit St. Denis and Chase Hooper in the same division near the same Michael rank. Chandler in No, but I'm saying Benoit St. Denis is near the same like is an unranked professional. They're yeah, close in the rank. St. Denis ranked now. Yeah, he's, he's like 12 he's or something 11. like that. 11. And I think 
But think of that. There's a huge difference between those guys, though. Jordan Levitt is in the same division, and that is just, like, it's it's wild. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. Michael Chandler. Islam Makachev. Michael Conor Chandler. McGregor. Right. I'm sorry. Dan Hooker. I'm sorry, but Chase Hooper, I'm going to need you to move to bantamweight. Please. Yeah. I, I don't want don't you to see, die. I like Chase Hooper, like I said. I'm glad he got the win. I, I don't think know. it's going to be hard for him to compete at the top of this division. And he's young, so maybe he can just outlast them all. Fill up. I don't know. Wait until you retire. Or he might Wait until they all retire. He I is mean. young, like you said, so he might just, as he gets older, move up and compete better. But that that's this the one division is one crazy. big concern with the lightweight division. We talk about it always. It's filled with monster strikers, where somebody with a strong grappling game. AKA. Who's kind of small, like not small, but like lanky well, no, frame. All you need is a crazy Islam. Look at him. He's killing these dudes. Right, but he's built he's built the right way. Chase Hooper's too small, it seems. Yeah. He doesn't have the striking power where Islam could stand if he needs to to get you on the ground. True. That's the big issue there. Maybe maybe move down. Well, he just needs to be I don't think it's that he's not big enough. He just needs to get his striking better. Yeah, well, then there's Islam wasn't that good at striking, and then now he's knocking out Volkanovski. That's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah, work on your striking. Become a killer in your own right. Do the Sean O'Malley thing. And Chase Hooper, you can make it in the 155 division. He doesn't have to become a killer striker. He just needs to be adequate where he can stand on the feet, compete with people, and then be like, I'm going to have this killer ground game. Speaking of killer strikers... Peyton Talbot, who apparently have developed the killer ground game. I don't know. I wouldn't say killer, but, but good enough. Good enough because in the first round, Nick Aguirre really kind of had him. I think Nick Aguirre really won the first round. I think so too. After the takedown, kind of forcing him onto the ground. But what I liked was Talbot. After that, they even breaking talked about the it stick as, in the third round. Well, they even talked about it in the uh, or metaphorically the, booth, the commentary where they were like, in that second round, he was like, you know what? I got to be the aggressor. I can't let him right. just pick and choose when to uh, take me down. So he was the aggressor, and once he started piecing up Aguirre... That dude showed that he, he didn't wanted know what to no do. business. Aguirre didn't know what to do. He kept trying to pull guard. Uh, Talbot looked like an angry man out there, and he really... He after, looked frustrated. You're he, right. After that first round that I think he lost to, he really turned it on, and he like went to another gear that Aguirre just didn't have. He got his first career submission... Yeah, so um, after after you know a resilient attack from him, he uh, you know he won the second round, kept it more striking, hurt hurt I would say hurt Nick Aguirre even if he didn't like you know visibly stumble him, but it showed that Nick Aguirre didn't want any business with the striking. That's a good debut for uh, like is your debut performance Absolutely. for Talbot. I mean that's exactly what you want. A little adversity. But you responded so well, like, no. And then you got your first, you know, like you said, first career submission. He only called for a striker in his next opponent because he wants to show off his striking skills. Like, I understand I wanting. Because he's not, he's not ready to move I mean, when you go after a, a submission guy and then you submit him and you're not a submission guy, I think you deserve a striker if that's yeah, what you want. Yeah, and he's not ready to climb the ladder yet. So, like, yeah, build this dude up. Yeah, Give he was, favorable came matchups. in as a minus five, 900 favorite. And he won by something that he's never won by. I think it's... It was an impressive performance. Like, I want to see that guy fight again. Right. Hype train him. For sure. Build him up. Take your time with him. This is one of those guys that's 135 pounds. Bantamweight is not, like, 
for the pickings per se, but it's got some interesting things going on. You got Peyton Talbot, you know, showing up, showing that he can do things, high level striker already. It's crazy that since he's been in, because he won his first five fights KO, right? UFC contender series, a unanimous decision, his first decision, and then his first UFC fight, a sub. So he came in as a KO guy in his first two wins non-KOs I know my whole thing was that I like before the fight I was sitting there that like Peyton Talbot just strikes so often I was saying like he strikes like 10 like 9.73 strikes per minute is what the note said which I believe I said that it was very high like it was up there with you know some of the highest strikers I've seen since we've been covering it and then he goes and submits a guy it's interesting Aguirre's been finished too it's interesting that maybe 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 Peyton Talbot's just been hiding a whole part of his game, like he said in his oh, I interview. I think he's only 25 years old. He's just improving. He's I fighting more, getting more experience. Like we said, hype train the guy. And, and then maybe, so when we're going to move on to the next fight, this was maybe the most entertaining fight of the card, which dude, was the, surprising coming in. Amanda Rebos, Luana Pinheiro. Apparently, these two girls used to live together. Yeah, they were roommates. They were roommates training in Brazil, partners. And it said... All the memes online were like, it looked like Pinero left the dishes out, didn't put her dishes up, and Amanda Rebos was angry. Dude, so we bet, we not we bet, we picked different on this one. You picked Rebos, I picked Pinero, and at the end of the first round, I was like, bro. You were looking good. Pinero was looking got good. It. Especially after, you know, our first uh, Medique losing. But I was I like, all right, we got this. Pinero. Like first I said, round win for Panero for sure. Ten Rebos found something in her mind that was like, this bitch left the dishes. She didn't vacuum on Wednesday like she was supposed to. Or let's talk about the cardinal sin. What if they stole a boyfriend? Let's stole say boyfriend let's say Luana stole Rebos's date. Or didn't pay rent or, or didn't something. pay rent, left it up to the other. Boop. And it's like, boop. That's There's what your, it looked like because Rebos turned on another gear. She was second and third round she electric. She was piecing Pinheiro up. I mean, I don't think a lot of people thought Rebos was going to come in and knock Pinheiro out and get the TKO finish. No, definitely. That was probably like the—I think decision was probably the method of victory. They probably expected an over. But Pinheiro was getting pieced up, and then was it a lay? Was it a head kick that kind of— It was a head kick that stumbled her, that and kinda, then— Once the head kick landed, though, it was— It was—she was, you were, you, she was, was out like on a matter her feet. Of time, you could yeah. see it. Hit her a few times, got her on the ground— a very impressive performance from Amanda Rebos. Stunning wheel kick, I think is what we could call it. This Forced is a good, stoppage. Good way for Rebos to rebound after a loss. Seven and three now in the UFC. I mean, ooh, she also got a 50k performance bonus. I mean, a I few would, other people got performance bonuses. They didn't do a fight of the night. They just did a bunch of performance like bonuses. Like I said, that was one of the best, oh, most it was entertaining awesome. fights. I mean, it was a great striking match. And props to Amanda Rebos. Absolutely. So the opening of the main card was a uh, late, last-minute um, scheduling. Johnny Parsons was out with an injury. So we, we filled in with Mick Tabik, Orobai, welterweight the division. Stanny. He is was in his UFC debut. It looked like he was on his Earth debut. It did, but I didn't realize, as crazy as he looks, as prehistoric as this guy looks— he uh, is in uh, uh, First Cousins with Attila the Hun. Uriah Faber's gym. That's where he fights at. Uh. Right. So it's like, okay. They found him underneath it when they built it? Apparently, because this dude came in. 
Medic, it looked like Medic did not prepare at all for any kind of grappling exchange. I think him and Johnny Parsons were planning to just duke it out on the feet. Yeah, he was just trying to knock somebody out real quick and go Oral home. Because he came in with four career subs. He identified the weakness right away in the first round, took him down. In that first round, it was one of those where he beat Medic so bad on the ground. Every time Medic tried to get up, he was just slamming him back. Yeah. It was like... Dude, this is kind of helpless. That he can't do anything on the ground. Orobai looks like the guy where if like you let somebody act like they were a UFC fighter for Halloween, that would be the picture that the UFC actually used for this dude's profile picture. Like this dude came in. This guy seemed like he came in unprepared, but he opened as a favorite on the cards. Yeah, 10 day notice. And I mean... Vegas knew something. He said, sorry, I could only cut to 170. I'll I'll come back at lightweight post-fight. Yeah, I mean, Vegas knew something, like I just said, because he was, from the get-go, once he got, he got hit a couple times on the feet, but once he got a hold of Medic, it was over. And then he ended up getting a sub in the second round. Right, I would say complete domination through both rounds. And And he won by, no, it was no typical submission. It was neck crank. Neck crank, which you know, yeah. That's kind of But dude, hurt. if you go watch that, he was like twisting that dude's Right, head. he was yanking him and contouring him like two different directions. It was, it was brutal. He also, he's from the same area as like, uh, not Khabib and them are from Dagestan, but like that Central Asian area. Right. He's from Kyrgyzstan, so he also has a cool cultural hat that he wears. Yeah, after. it looked, it was, <laughs> it was wild. Sick. I've never seen a hat like that, but it's pretty cool. I've seen some, just not that color. It was sick, and I think that's a dude nobody's going to be calling out. Nobody Can, wants to wait, fight that dude. Wait a minute. Can you scary. imagine this? This dude debuted in 170, but he said he plans on fighting at 155. I mean, he would fit right in, I think. Can you imagine him fighting Chase Hooper? Yeah. Like, like that's that's what I'm talking about here. It's like, ah, I don't know. That dude that's is different like, people. <laughs> he's hardly a, a man. He's, he's a like Mongol. A Neanderthal. Like... That dude's scary. Nobody's calling that dude. Yeah, Nobody I, wants I, to fight that dude. I don't want to interview him. I, I don't. <laughs> I only want to see him fight from afar. I don't want to. I don't ever want to be in his radar at all. I don't want him to know my name. All right. So this week for a top five, I think it's pretty obvious what we're going with. It's Thanksgiving week. We're gonna go top five best Thank- Portuguese. No, I'm kidding. Top five Thanksgiving foods. I'm sure you could have guessed it. This is one might be controversial to some people. I think... Um, Why? I just think this is something people have strong opinions on for some reason. Oh, wait. Sorry. I thought... My bad. I thought you were talking about your first pick. I think my first pick will be controversial, but I think just in Why? general, this is going to be a list of things. No matter what happens, some people are strongly going to disagree with her. Yeah, picks. there are there are what you would call crazy people. I get it. And this might be a crazy pick. I think there's an obvious one one that everybody would think of when they think of Thanksgiving food, but I'm not taking that one. I think I'm actually going with as the first pick in the draft since it is my f- time to go first. Congratulations. I'm going with the Thanksgiving ham. Oof. Man, I that think is specifically elite. like that spiral honey baked ham with the outside of sweet. I think that is such superior over the other obvious protein in when you think of Thanksgiving. 
I mean, it's good. There's a little bit of sweetness to it. It goes with everything. It's juicier. It's net. I mean, have you ever had a dry ham? Man, ham is good. I love a ham, specifically at Thanksgiving time. I think it's the best food you can have at Thanksgiving. I'm going with the ham, specifically the spiral honey baked ham. Ham? Ham is great, bro. Um, I feel like they only put the good hams out on Thanksgiving. Like I don't think only, but I think that's when they like they prime them. I think you can get them all the time. You got to ask for them, though. You got to ask for them. They're just not like... Or you got to go to a place. They just know this is the prom time season for them. You know, like, hey, take three lefts and then four rights and you'll be there and ask for a guy named Jose. You'll be my ham plug. Yeah. I need a ham plug year round. But no, ham is is definitely an elite pick. Um, It is one of the top meats of the Thanksgiving (laughs) department. I mean, there's only... There's not many meats of Thanksgiving. Oh, Sir, you live in Louisiana. There's many a meat for Thanksgiving for the crazy people we have around here. So your number one's ham. I think I'm going to... Man, I have to go with mashed potatoes and gravy for my number one. I mean, that's a solid pick, too. Solid pick. It's a catch-all. You know, it's probably the perfect side, in my opinion. And, I mean, it's making me salivate right here just talking about it. I don't even know. Um... Mashed potatoes and gravy. Brown gravy, right? That's what I'm thinking. I, I like brown gravy. I'm not opposed to white gravy, though. I am heavily opposed to white gravy. Like a chicken fried steak gravy? That's so yeah, good. Yeah, no, disgusting. I'm out. Mashed potatoes and brown gravy. I'll dictate that. Okay. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick. Second pick is going to be the homemade bread that people make on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking Bre- about? Like rolls? Dinner rolls. Okay, roll. I had that on my list. Like dinner rolls. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with dinner rolls. That's a good pick. As my number two. It's a good pick. I, dinner rolls. Because like. I like the dinner rolls and you just dip them in all the different kind of casseroles. Right. Like it, di- the dinner roll roll is the chip to the salsa. Yeah. It's in like that the, scenario. In the like Thanksgiving super, scenario. Superman chip. Because it's way better than the chip. It's way better. So like, and, and realistically, like. If you go to a family dinner, how often are you getting rolls? Like a lot of times it's going to be Thanksgiving or Texas Roadhouse or like a, you know, a a place that serves bread. A good roll slaps, especially if it has some kind of like butter, butter, some kind of moisture. I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some sort of flavor, not even flavor, but like makes it better. It's perfect. Get a good crust on that roll. No, rolls is a great pick. I love, I had that on my list. That was going to be a very high pick on my list. Yeah, absolutely. I got to, I got to take the good things as, as I can. So I'm going to go with dinner rolls. What do you have for your second pick? Because so, I mean, with a ham to start, my number two is I'm not building a meal. I'm just picking the best. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to eat this now. So my number two is going to be the obvious pick. I'm going Turkey, right? I, I, I knowingly left that on the board trying to pick actual better foods than that. I just think, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving is turkey. Do you think that... What you think of, they pardon turkeys. I mean, that is what the traditional... So uh, do you actually like turkey? I do. A turkey leg is great. How often do people poorly cook turkey? That changes your perception. I mean, yeah. I mean, any of these things can be poorly made. A turkey... Are you not saying truths because somebody in your family doesn't cook a good turkey? My family cooks a great turkey. Oh. My dad does an airless fryer turkey. Oh, is that cool? It's very good. I'd, I'd, I guess I'd it's I'd be cool. interested to try that. Very good. All uh, right. I like turkey, especially a good turkey leg, getting the turkey leg. I think turkey... 
Thanksgiving and carnivals. That's all. That's the only two places you can get. Yeah, that. I would pick ham over turkey, but I think turkey is like, it's the centerpiece of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's a top top Thanksgiving thought. Like, it's the the low hanging fruit of Thanksgiving. If you're thinking of, I wouldn't call it. I would call it like the the biggest freshest fruit that everybody wants. That's the one that is. No, that would be ham, sir. No, that's like the that's like the niche fruit that they're like, oh yeah, that's very good. You gotta be a hipster to kind of like it more. But Thanks. turkey's so you, the one everybody you, likes. Man, you're just de- denying your whole list. What's your third pick? No, I'm I'm giving support to my whole list. Okay, sure, yeah. My third pick. This was a tough one. This is when it starts getting into really kind of like what you prefer. I don't um, know if it does. My third pick is gonna be rice dressing. Okay, that's solid. I think That's a good solid. rice dressing, if you have turkey or you have ham, a good rice dressing or you have a roll or mashed potatoes or mashed potatoes. You dip it. You that's you, you just mix Thanksgiving them. food. You just mix it all together. <laughs> I it's love it. It's a plate just mixed of everything. And rice dressing is like rice dressing is. I would say the mashed potatoes is the paste, but the rice dressing is like the glue, the concrete. I don't know. The rice dressing is a must. A good rice dressing just sets like your whole Thanksgiving meal to another level. Cause it's kind of like the base. It's like either the base. A, a rice dressing or a stuffing, right? That's something with a, another, another rice. carb. That's not a mashed potato. Yes. I, I get it. So rice dressing is my number three pick. That's a solid one. Rice dressing is a very solid pick, but I think, I think for my number three, I'm going to go with another side. I've already got the mashed potatoes and brown gravy and I've got dinner rolls. I think I'm going to go with a Mac and cheese Ooh, that is a good one. I didn't have it on my list. I don't know how I left it off, but that's a great I pick. didn't have rice and dre- rice rice dressing on my list because I just wasn't thinking about it like that. But I think mac and cheese is a very solid pick. Just because, you know, it's it's that other carb. You know, it's that when somebody makes a good homemade mac and cheese, we're, we're not talking craft. We're talking a Thanksgiving mac and cheese. The only time of the year where people actually care about the meal they're making, or at least act like they care about it because they have to present it to other family members not just their eight-year-old, the mac and cheese gets better. It's almost like Chick-fil-A made it half the time. Mac and cheese is a solid pick. It's hard to fuck up mac and cheese. In my house, when I bring mac and cheese to an event, it is actually from Chick-fil-A. I just cater it because I'm, I'm not trying to buy that. They make, they make it better than I could anyway. No, I get that. So You're just lazy, but I get it. Yeah, but I care enough. But mac and cheese, that's a good pick. That's your third pick? Third pick is mac and cheese. My fourth pick is going to be the turducken. I mean, that's not a Thanksgiving food. Like, that is 100% a Thanksgiving food around have here. Have you ever had a turducken? Yeah. How many times? Three. All, all around Thanksgiving, sir. It's a turkey with a duck breast shoved in it. I think now we're just like making shit up. We're, I know it's a real thing, but like... Yeah, but I'm not, not tra- making it up. Somebody made it up long before me. That's not a traditional Thanksgiving... So I mean, you, yeah, you can pick it. Are you it, vetoing like, my pick? I'm not vetoing. I'm letting you pick it, but like, what are we doing here? That's a... There's plenty of Thanksgiving foods on the table that aren't turducken. Turducken? A turducken. <laughs> Frankenstein? That's what it is. It's a monster, for real. It is... It is a is a high quality. It's got to be the most like gluttonous. 
The <laughs> entree you can think of. This is stuff something in another thing and then in another. Okay. Like the, so you, they're all birds. Have you ever seen that that meme where it's like the the man, the man saying that milk milk is at like you can drink milk out of a cow for the first time. They like walk in on the barn and he's like under the cow. He's like, "Y'all should try this." They're like, "Whoa." Yeah, that dude's a weirdo. Imagine the guy, the first dude who thought of putting a turkey and then sticking a duck inside of the turkey and then sticking a chicken inside of the duck inside of the turkey. It's just so gluttonous. That's why Thanksgiving. All those things are very good on their own. Thanksgiving <laughs> is a gluttonous meal. Is it not? It is, but like that's just like over the top. That's just like a slap to the face gluttonous. You're not even pretending. A turducken is a... So that's your number four? Turducken? My number four is a turducken, sir. There's nothing four, you can do to combat that. <laughs> my number four is going to be a classic side, green bean casserole. Oh, I got that on the list. I mean, it's so good with a little, uh, like, almost kind of like crumb uh, topping to it. They Dude, nowadays in the store, they sell the French, the, the green bean casserole toppings to put on the green bean casserole to make it crunchy. Oh, quicker. yeah. I'll, it's either uh, it's breadcrumbs like, or it's like dried onions. Like it's dried, dried onions. French onions or something like that. And it's good as fuck. No, it the, is. Yeah, just absolutely. The topping is too. Absolutely. Uh, by the way. But green bean casserole, I think it's a classic thing. A lot of people like it. It's actually a way that makes green beans taste really good. Right. Otherwise, they're just kind of meh. In my there are opinion. some restaurants that have them, but I found the only restaurants I like that have just plain green beans that I end up liking as a side are when they're cooked in like bacon fat and bacon grease. Right, and then at that point, it's like doing more harm than it's than it's good. But a green bean casserole hits, as you said earlier. You mentioned how your Thanksgiving plate kind of just becomes a mix of everything. This is a solid thing to throw into the mix: a green bean casserole. Yeah, that that's a that's a if the mashed potatoes and gravy are the paste. The green bean casserole is certainly the most. It's like the first green thing. Like you get a little bit of vegetable. Yeah, it's the only thing that's keeping your heart pumping at the end. Of, at the end of Thanksgiving, is that that one ounce of green beans you had? That's what's keeping you going. That's a solid fourth pick. What is your fifth pick, sir? So my fifth one. This is where I'm going real personal. I, I don't. It's still a traditional thing, but it's just something I really like. It's the cranberry sauce. I have that on my list. I love the cranberry sauce. That's what makes a turkey over the top with a little bit of cranberry sauce. And as we've mentioned, like on three other, four other picks, I just mentioned in my last pick, the cranberry sauce in the mix of the Thanksgiving plate is elite. You know how they have those people that don't like want their food to touch? Yeah, that's nuts. what do they do on Thanksgiving? Yeah, they just Thanksgiving like, is made sit for that. at home and like cry. You don't make eight sides where they don't touch. Like, right, who like, has that? I kind want of my gravy play? mixing into the other things that I normally don't want them to mix into. I have dessert on that same plate sometimes. Yeah, just a there's just something about all those tastes together. Something and about think, that Thanksgiving nap that's think following. cranberry sauce is like it's one of the few sweet things in here where it's gonna be like, whoa. It just, it's no, great absolutely. to that mix. I love it on the turkey. I love a cranberry sauce. That's a solid pick. So my fifth and final pick, I think I'm going to go, man, I've got to go with cornbread dressing. I had that on my list. This, I, had, I was debating on that for my number five. I was thinking, when, when you took rice dressing, they kind of left it up there for me. Corn, cornbread dressing is the... It's really the only second to rice dressing. You know, if you don't have rice it's dressing, so good too, though. you can substitute in a cornbread dressing. It's 
two great things dressing and cornbread mixed together it's it's amazing cornbread dressing you can use it as stuffing a lot of people do that so then like you know kind of got a dual pick there put it in the turkey it's always good put it in the du- turducken even if you want to be nah, like crazy just, yeah, stuffing <laughs> stuff the turducken three with, animals that are already stuffed together we're gonna stuff them with rice and another meat mixed in there i know this feels like the <laughs> the casting couch it's crazy so yeah, I'm gonna go with cornbread dressing. That's for my a solid final pick. pick. You know, it's surprising neither of us took any desserts, which there are a few desserts I had on my list. What do you have on your list for desserts? I had pecan pie, pumpkin pie, sweet potato. Pie. I got pecan. I got pumpkin, sweet potato. I got fruit salad, candy dams, apple pie. Yeah, like all those things. They were definitely in the play. Seriously, I think any any time of the, my life when I'm gonna eat a pie, probably the only time I'm gonna get it is Thanksgiving. Just like. My mom, last week, I asked specifically. She made me a, a, cho- pie? a chocolate pudding pie. Oh, that's different. Dude, it was so that's good. That's different. That's different. That's so a my, solid pie. So my top five Thanksgiving foods, to go over them again, number one, ham. Number two, turkey. Number three, rice dressing. Number four, green bean casserole. And to top it off, number five, cranberry sauce. That's a solid top five. And mine are number one, mashed potatoes and gravy. Two dinner rolls, three mac and cheese, four the gluttonous turducken, and five cornbread dressing. Down, see? All right, let's jump into football for this week. Maybe the biggest week in college football for the year. It's the last week of the regular season, rivalry week. Rivalry week. This is when you can almost throw out records. You can almost throw out rankings. These teams always play each other. Cl- Not always, but usually it's close games. And I'm Tough excited games. For Tough games. In-state games. Just pure hate games. Games that make the coaches say, guys, y'all got to chill a little bit. Think Games that make the fans like... There's a chance like giant fights in these games, kind of like Brazil Argentina. We just watched, man, that guy got beat. Like that. But Jeez. the first game we're gonna take longest a look at, nightstick I've ever seen. So I think, right? So I think, think it's just swinging a sword made out of just metal. There's no UFC this <laughs> this coming week. It was wild. So Sorry. Gonna, no UFC this coming week. So we're gonna do a couple more, uh, three more football games. Each in college and pro, so a total of eight each. 16 games, one week, winner take all. So the first game we're going to look at, we're going to start with college. It's going to be Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, the Egg Bowl. The Ole Miss Rebels coming in ranked 12, taking on the 5-6 and six arch rival, Mississippi State Bulldogs. This is definitely one of those games where you can throw out the records. These teams play each other close pretty much every year, and they really do not like each other. Yeah, look— Michigan or Michigan, Mississippi State won the last time out, twenty-four to twenty-two. Both teams are all victories. I think the motivations are very, very high for both teams right now. Like you said, it's a it's a egg bowl, high level rivalry. This is a chance for Ole Miss to get ten regular season wins for the first time in a long time. Is that Lane Kiffin the head coach? Lane Kiffin the head coach. I'm learning. Always looking the he's always looking the jump. That's one thing about him. What do you mean? Always looking like physically. Every every big time job that's going to open from here on out he's oh. going to be like the name they throw out there is lane kiffin in the in the running he became a big, pretty big media uh personality this this season right he's always been he um uh, 
he was like the youngest in it. He was the Raiders head coach like 10 years ago. Right. He was like, like he 35. Was, I, so I actually looked at him today. He had like six total wins in two years or something like that. Yeah. It was like, he Pretty definitely, bad. they just, well, they, it was too, he was too young to do it. And their um, team probably, he was probably walking into a bad team already that he was tro- trying to rebuild. Um, but outside of that, he Ole, was Miss, Ole Miss for their offense. I mean, a great offense. Top, I mean, they're 12 ranked nationally. I mean, their only recent loss is just getting drum rolled by Georgia a couple weeks ago, which, which I understand. It's understandable. Right. At Georgia. I still think Ole Miss wins. Um, we have a 450 money line, minus 450 money Mississippi line. Mississippi State needs this to get to a bowl game. So if they lose, they're out of a bowl. I mean, five and six. Do teams get bowl games at losing records? No, you have to win six wins to get a bowl game. That low? Six and six is the minimum. Oof. A six and six SEC team would 100% get a bowl game. If my favorite college team was six and six, I wouldn't want to go to a, their bowl game. That would be disappointing. Uh, it depends what kind of program you are. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, Mississippi uh, Rebels, not sorry, Ole Miss Rebels favored by 11 and a half over 55 and a half. What do you think is going to happen for this one? You know, the game's at Mississippi State, so it's going to, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't know if I'm taking, I found it at 10 and a half. I don't know if I'm taking Ole Miss at 10 and a half, but I think Ole Miss gets the win. They get their 10th victory of the year. I agree. I think the Rebels are going to win. I don't know as I need, I was going to come in here with some hot takes and everything, but I did not think about rivalry week being as contested because i am traditionally not as well versed in college football so i'm gonna just stave off of sounding like a jackass here and i'm just gonna pick the rebels and move forward all right so the next game we're gonna look at not necessarily a rivalry game but it's a huge game in terms of conference play it's the eight and three seven and oh in the american conference uh texas utsa University of Texas San Antonio taking on the twenty-third ranked Tulane Green Wave, who come in ten and one, seven and zero in the American as well. This is a game winner goes to the American Conference Championship game. Tulane has a chance to move to eleven and one. They went to the, uh, I believe it was the Cotton Bowl last year. They got to a Big Six. They have a chance to do it again this year. This is a huge game. Two teams that are winning a lot right now. Yeah, and two teams that are. Really have no business being in the top twenty-five. Like Tulane, they they never hold a candle to Georgia, right? I don't. Last year they, I mean, they were a top fifteen team last year, and they beat USC in the bowl game. This is the this second like year in a like row a they, UL type situation where they're just going to keep popping up in the rankings every so often, and and they'll I mean, be, they're they'll be than better you, than we think, or at least better than, than I the think. Raging Cajuns have been ever been really the okay. past two years. Awesome. Tulane is a legit team. UTSA is as well. Um, I think this is going to be a very close game. I think the game's in New Orleans, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor. I got the Green Wave winning. So I have a couple questions before I make my final de- determination. So Green Wave's defense is, uh, based on the stats, are only allowing 18.55 points per game, so just under 19 points a game. They've really been playing well lately. Especially on defense. But do you think Michael Pratt is going to handle the ball better? He threw two interceptions last week. You know, he's a guy, he's a veteran guy, he's a senior. I think he has been, hasn't been been playing his best, but I think he's a guy that's with the experience, is going to live up to the moment and step his game up, being that this is a And that would game. be a, a home game for Tulane, It correct? is in New Orleans, yes. Okay, so with all of that information, I'm also going to pick Tulane. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down. I know I told you before I was going with Tulane, but 
I just I wanted to confirm that, and yes, I definitely am going with Tulane. Now. So we both got Tulane. Now let's move on to the next game one that's also on Friday. Is that Oregon? This is the Civil War. This is Oregon, yeah. Oregon State. The last time they're scheduled to meet each other because Oregon is leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. Do you think so they're going to schedule that again in the future? The, these two teams have had like 50 or something. Over 50, but they 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 would try. You would think yes, but because of the school politics and the way the conference scheduling works, not necessarily. Texas, Texas A&M haven't played since 2012 because of oh, that. Oh, damn. That's crazy. So for uh, this one... So this is going to be one, a rivalry game that has a little bit extra juice to it. It's always a close game. There's going to be a little bit extra juice to it. The Why game's, is that? Because it might be the last time they're playing. Oh, that's why. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's no scheduled rematch. Sorry, I thought there was I thought there was another thing on top. Well, so they, they are going for the Platypus Trophy. I found that out. It is Duck and Beaver, so that's kind of like a mix between the two. That's why they call it the Platypus. Yeah, I, I read that one has the, the Platypus has the, the beaver beak. tail, but with a duck bill. So that's that's neat. So this game is in Alton Stadium. It's at Oregon. The Oregon Ducks, 10-1, 7-1. They're a team, if they win, I think they're already going to the Pac-12 championship, but they have a chance. They win this game, then they beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship. They have, they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. And they're taking on the Oregon State Beavers, 8-3, 5-3 in the conference. They've had a good year. It's got to be hard to go play the Ducks at home, though. 13 and a half, the Ducks are favorite. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a much closer game, but I do have the Ducks winning. DJ Ugaley, I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong. You know his Ugalele? brother is a defense, Ugaley. I think it's more right. His brother's a defensive lineman, a defensive end for Oregon. So, oh, that's. And the dad made oh. a comment like, it would be really cool to see it's him his sack younger him. brother. Yeah, he said that. It was like, I don't want to say it's going to happen, but that would be, be a special moment if his yeah, younger brother really sacked would. his older Ugulele brother. Ugulele sacked by Ugulele? Yeah. I mean, it would be, yeah, absolutely. So, look, he needs to protect. If, if, if Oregon State's going to have a chance to win, Ugulele needs to protect the ball. They came so close to beating Washington last week. The pick. I mean, I know you can't just count it on one turnover, but a turnover does not help you. I mean, Oregon State defense held Washington scoreless in the second half. Right. Washington just was able to withstand it. But like I said, I think this is going to be a very close game. Bo Nix and the Ducks were able to sit early last week, so they should be rested. But that's not necessarily a good thing. I think the Ducks are going to win. I do too, but I think it's going to be much closer than 13.5. I think it's going to be like a three-point Ducks win. Oh, I was going to say like a touchdown. Probably like a, not a last-second score, but a score with like a minute left. I'm thinking like 41-38. Okay, yeah. A little high scoring because Oregon State's going to need to score some points to keep up with Oregon. So what's the next one we got? We got the Buckeyes versus Michigan. The game, maybe the best game of the entire college football regular season. Two unbeaten teams coming in, number both two eleven and zero. Number two versus number three, biggest rivalry in college football. Very it, close on the odds. There's a cheating scandal going on with Michigan. The winner, three this, Harbaugh. Harbaugh right. is suspended. Correct. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, the winner of this goes to the Big Twelve, ch- Big Ten championship game. The loser does not. The winner, I mean, one of these two teams are definitely going to the playoffs. High level talent. If too. it's a close game, both these teams might end up going to the playoffs out of the top four teams. This is just the game of the year. Is this one of the ones that Alabama has implications with that like can get them into the playoffs? Well, they just need Alabama. They need needs, a shit show. No, not really. No. All it's they need possible. is one of these teams is going to drop down. Obviously, yeah. They, they have need to lose. Oregon probably to beat Washington. And if Alabama goes in, wins against Auburn, and then wins against Georgia, the SEC title game, 
they're going to be in the playoff. Okay. Well, it's a lot. Honestly, if Alabama, no matter what, if they win, they have a chance. They they win, they're going. The SEC champ is going to the playoff. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. No doubt. But anyway, this is a huge game. Um, at Michigan, Michigan three and a half point favorites. Michigan's won the last two games after I think Ohio State won eight or nine in a row. Listen, Michigan is favored for the first time since 2018. This is what I looked up today. But Ohio State won that game 62 to 39. Yeah. So the last time Michigan was favored, Ohio State beat the shit out of it. RIP Dwayne Haskins. He threw like six touchdowns in that game. RIP Dwayne he, Haskins. He's like six touchdowns, like 400 yards. He That's destroyed crazy. Michigan. So like, we have think... a whole bunch of talent in this game, too. We got Blake Corum. We got Marvin Harrison Jr. Both going to come out. Two separate teams going to just be, you know, stunning on either side. But two different total uh, mentalities. Michigan is a run it down your throat. They're going to run right. the ball on you. Ohio State's they electric got, offense. Electric offense. They got three great receivers. Both top by, 10 defenses. Both Yeah, both top 10 defenses. I think Ohio State, Michigan has, they've won their two games without Harbaugh, but they haven't looked as good as they had been. And I think that's going to, in a game like this. I think sobbing, saying this is for you, coach, is a bad look. I think in a game like this, this is when we're going to see why they need Harbaugh on the sideline. It's going to hurt them. I got Ohio State going into Michigan, going into the big house. And, and I got winning the, the I got, game. I got the Buckeyes getting the win. I agree. I think the Ohio, the Ohio, do you say that? The Ohio that's State? A, that's the, they trademarked the. Jesus. The Ohio State. Is going to win the game on Friday. So there you have it. Let's move on to the Iron Bowl now. A game that's usually closer than people expect to. This is the number eight Alabama Crimson Tide, seven and one. I wouldn't have expected that. Seven and zero in SEC play, taking on the Auburn Tigers, six and five, three and four. Auburn coming off maybe the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen an SEC team have since I've been watching football for the past thirty years. They they lost lost to Jordan Hare last week. Twenty five and a half. Jordan Hare's a stadium. Oh, I'm sorry. Lost at Jordan Hare last week. Twenty five and a half point underdog or New Mexico State. Supposed to be pretty much a gimme win that you probably paid this team a couple million to come play you. As you said, 25 and a half point favorites. They lost 31 to 10. After winning three straight SEC games, they had turned their season around. Yeah, they were, I mean, six and five after starting off bad. It's obvious to say they were looking forward to this week and they kind of just blew that game off. Absolutely. Um, That's why I think Auburn's a very dangerous team coming into this game. Look, I, I didn't... I didn't think they were going to win. I didn't think this game was going to be nearly as close. I think Alabama wins, but here's the thing. I guess to your point, I think with the spread being as high as it is and how 14, dominant— I saw it at 14.5. Yeah, that's what I have it as. 14.5, over under 49. So I think it's 14.5. I got Alabama winning by 14, so I don't think they cover. That's fair. Yeah, give them plus 14. It's like 34. Uh, Auburn plus 14. 34, 20 or something like that. Right, just Which because— not as clo- Yeah. Auburn's had a pretty dominant season for their wins so far, but they've also... No, I mean, they're 6-5. and five. This is uh, not I mean, a I meant Alabama. Team. I'm sorry. Alabama's had some pretty dominant wins for their season throughout the year, but you've kind of convinced me that it's going to be con- more contested than I think. This game's usually pretty contested. All right, so the next one's going to be the Texas A&M Aggies taking on, at home, final game of the regular season, the LSU Tigers. And the Heisman, officially this week, the Heisman favorite... Jayden Finally Daniels. in the talks. Jaden Daniels. I mean, his stats, if you look at them. It's not Why were they, like, they kind of snubbing him from talking about him as, like, 
I mean, his stats are unbelievable. Right, but like up till this, the final week of the regular season, it took you to realize that this dude's a monster. Yeah, um, I mean, he's at least a monster. So far, like not so far, but throughout this season. A&M, this is their second game without Jimbo Fisher as the head coach after they fired him. Uh, and that still netted them SEC like $50 game. million. Dollars Over based on that check. Million. It's like 70, 80 million. Right. So that, that's fine. Uh, this is a game, LSU, since Texas A&M has come into the SEC, LSU's kind of dominated them. I think A&M's won once, maybe twice in the past 10 years. Uh, I think it's going to be more of the same. I think LSU comes in. They're hot right now. I think this is the kind of team they can come in and beat. I think it's going to be a lot like the Florida game, a lot like uh, just the game where it's close at first, and then this right. LSU offense is just a little too much. The LSU's defense, realistically, the way their offense is playing, probably needs like two or three stops, and then they're going to win by two or three touchdowns. Yeah, the Aggies being double-digit dogs makes sense to me here. I think LSU is going to win by more than 10.5, especially with Jaden Daniels playing like an absolute savage. Yeah, I think he puts his stamp on the Heisman this That's week. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think he does what it takes, whether it's you know a couple rushing scores from him or throwing it you know 500 yards through the air with four touchdowns. I think or he's going to put that because that's what he's been doing. That's he's true. Doing he could do both. He could just put, he could put together seven touchdowns this week and give LSU the nine and three season. Although I do believe that Aggies are going to be able to score against LSU's poor defense, which is what has lost them the three games they've lost. But I think LSU is going to win this week for sure. All right. So let's move on to the apple cup. This is Washington, Washington state. The Huskies come in number four undefeated eight. No, Already clinched their ticket to the Pac-12 championship Put game. Put some respect on that record, sir. Finally, the playoff committee moved them up to number four. I mean, it's in their hands right now where they just got to win out. They're going to the playoffs. But they're taking on a pesky Washington State team coming off of a huge win against Colorado where they beat the shit out of the Buffaloes. After four straight losses, it kind of halted the losing right. streak. Their win away, they could do two things right here. They could ruin their arch-rival season. They could. Undefeated season, and they could qualify for a bowl game with. They got to be riding high after their win over the Buffaloes. Like that gives you a lot of motivation. Even if you, you know, thought that you could win coming in, doing it, you know, beating Coach Prime, that's a big name to have going into an undefeated matchup against the number four ranked team in the nation. So I think this is another game where this spread is sixteen and a half for Washington in their favor. It is not going to be that big of a difference in this game. I think Washington wins. I think the Huskies win. But I think it's going to be a lot like their last couple games where it's pretty close the whole way through. I'm going to say Washington by probably like six to eight points. Man, do you think the 68 and a half over or under is going to hit? I feel like this is an under type of game, but I still feel big Penix energy. So I'm going to have to go with the Huskies. Yeah, I got the Huskies too. I'm thinking just with the way they've kind of been playing... I'm not going to say low scoring because they've had some high scoring games, but they have an under in them. Like a 30-22 game. Yeah. Huskies win. Yes. All right, and this will probably be the, yeah, this is eighth final game for Florida, our college game day for us. Florida State Seminoles versus the Florida Gators. they call Gators. this one the Sunshine Showdown? I think. Sunshine Showdown. The S's. So this is another game. Florida State undefeated, coming off of a win, but they lost their star quarterback. Lost Jordan Travis. So His we got leg Tate was on Rodenmeyer. sideways. Rodenmeyer. 
Florida State, their team, if they go undefeated, they win this game and they beat Louisville in the ACC championship game, you can't not put them in the playoffs at undefeated. And they're taking on the Florida Gators who come in five and six playing for a bowl game. Florida lost. Florida Gators lost four in a row. This is the same as the Oof. last matchup we just had where it's a team where you're playing your arch rival where you have a chance to ruin their season, undefeated season, and make a bowl game. So there's a lot to play for for Florida. Question is, do they play for it? They didn't play horrible last week. They competed with Missouri. But I think Florida State comes in, and I think they figure, even with a backup quarterback. That's the biggest question. I think they figure out a way to get a win. That's kind of like the storybook ending for the Gators is that it's there is possible to win this game against the number five ranked Seminoles. Even, or not even, but solely because Jordan Travis is gone. You know, like, it, it it hurts them in a way that, you know, the whole team can change because it's hard to prepare for just one week. The next week out, you know, it's one thing being thrown in the game and getting, riding high off the momentum and winning, but it's, it's hard to prepare for just one week and go out and execute. I still think the Seminoles are going to win. But I think it's going to be a close game. And I think the, the kind of lines have already started to show that where Florida State's only favored by six and a half, less than a touchdown, you know, only days before the game. I think it's going to only get closer leading up. But I do think Florida State wins. All right, so that wraps up our college football talk for the week. Let's move on to the NFL. And the first game we're going to cover, Thanksgiving morning for us. Woo. I think it starts at like 10, 30, 11 a.m. It's... The traditional game, it's the Detroit Lions hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Lions, 8-2, and two, somehow one of the best teams in the NFL. The funny thing was, they I said... I get it, though. The first time they're 8-2 and two since the 1960s, the funny thing was, that was before segregation. That was also JFK was president. That's how long ago it was since the Lions were this good. Damn. Look, Jordan Love... For lack of a better term, he's been a middling quarterback so far. He hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't won them any games, and he hasn't been great. And then Aaron Jones goes down last week, which, you know, he's not like the number one running back, but he was a good passing option. But, I mean, the Packers Love. figured out a way to get a win against the Chargers last week. So, I mean. Right, but I think I think the Chargers are a kryptonite in their own right for themselves. I think still the Lions are going to continue just rallying behind their coach. I love Dan Campbell. He's awesome. He gives everybody the motivation. So he went to Texas A&M, and Texas A&M is looking for a new coach, and they asked him about it. And he said, I want to do everything I can to help Texas A&M, but except coach, coach there. That's funny. <laughs> it was a great quote. I think we have a big day set up for David Montgomery. Packers defense hasn't been that great this year, and I think we're going to be able to run all over him with David Montgomery for the Lions. That, with a couple passing attacks from uh, Jared Goff, I think it's going to spell the, the win for them. I don't know if they win by more than a touchdown like the line suggests, but I don't think they get upset at home. Yeah, I got the Lions too. So let's move on. Thanksgiving night, uh, NFC West showdown, 7-3, and three, San Francisco 49ers, division leader, taking on the 6-4 and four Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco coming off of an impressive performance, especially Brock Purdy against the Buccaneers. I think Seahawks we... coming off of a tough Lost where they drove down the field, had the chance to win, and just missed a field goal, like a fifty-yard field goal. Jason Myers, I mean, look, you're an NFL, you're an NFL kicker, but you can't. You got to make, them make all. a fifty. I know it's fifty-five. It's a long one, but like you got to make it. You got to make that. You Your team drove you in, into position. They gave it, it to you. They didn't give it to you, but they put it in your corner and like, you missed it. 
Yeah. Look, the 49ers, I think they're going to they're gonna come out with the most dynamic offense in the NFL. They've shown that through. I mean, Brock through. Party looked amazing last Back week. Back to last season form. 7-3 and three is a crazy record for what I would imagine is now the second or third best team in the NFL. Well, I mean, they've been the second or third best team in the whole season. They just had right. a tough stretch. They've had a tough stretch. They did have a tough, tough stretch. But they started literally. like 5-0. and oh. But look, you got you got people on that team like Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brennan Ayuk, Debo Samuel. But then you have somebody like the Seahawks who have been playing up to That was only everybody. offensive guys, though. Look at their defense, too. Right. The defense is just... They also have the best offensive tackle in football, Trent Williams, the 49ers. Yeah, they're just built. I'm only talking about offensive weapons because those are the guys putting up the points typically. But you're right. The defense is, is unquestionably good. Offensive line is doing its job. It takes a unit, and San Francisco is putting it together. Seattle, though, they're a force to be reckoned with. Geno Smith came out of nowhere last year, put on a performance, and six and four for this season isn't anything to scoff at with how football has been going. I think the 49ers win. I don't know by how much, but I think it's going to be an over-styled game, over 43 points with the 49ers winning. I got the 49ers winning. I think it's going to be tough going into Seattle, but I think they figure out a way to get the dub. So let's move on. One of my favorite teams, not one of my favorite teams, my favorite team. Say, say it say it with your chest. My favorite team taking on their biggest rival, the New Orleans Saints. Big 5-5, five and five, NFC South leaders somehow, taking That's on the team nuts. right on their heels. 5-5. Five the, and five. Taking on the team right on their heels, the 4-6 and six Atlanta Falcons, their arch rivals. Both teams coming off of bad losses. Saints... They only lost by eight to the Vikings. They've had a bye week since then. But, but eight the to game the Vikings, wasn't that close. man. It's, the they Vikings down like just had their number, three. huh? And then the Falcons, embarrassed by the Cardinals. Embarrassed. Kyler Murray's back, though. Kyler Murray is back. That's what you got to remember, but still. Little, little running, small man running around like crazy. I mean, I think this is going to be just a game of so is who Derek wants Carr it more coming who's back? not going to fuck it up more. He's in concussion protocol. They're playing on Sunday. Playing on Sunday. So he has like six days to come back. Is he going to play? What do you think? If not, you got eating the W's, Jameis. I mean, I don't know if that would be better or worse. What do you think? I think it's neutral, totally different, but neutral. Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. Yeah, they went back to, neither team has quarterback. Well, Taylor Heineke's hurt as well. So So back to to Ritter. I think with all these changes, at the very least— if Derek Carr can't play, Jameis Winston has been in the program long enough. I think he can pull it off. I agree. I pick and Saints I think the, win. I think the Saints have a better defense, and I think they figure out a way to win the game. Saints would be six and five, have a one one lead win, one win lead on the division. Give yeah. them a, a little bit of breathing room. Be a big win if they get it, especially division wise. So let's move on. Now your favorite team taking on the other team in the Saints division, the four and six Buccaneers, which we kind of need the Colts to win here. We both need the Colts to win. Right. Taking on the five and five Indianapolis Colts. Colts coming off of maybe the ugliest NFL game I've ever watched. Dude. They went to Germany and beat the Patriots ten to six. Somehow still as bad as <laughs> Mac Jones played. Still, <laughs> Patriots had a chance to win the game. Yeah, like you just had the to do something. <laughs> you just had to do one thing the whole game, and either team wins. And we just didn't the, fuck the it Bucks up. The Bucks coming as much. off of a tough loss to the Niners. They lost by 13. It really wasn't that close. Look, Niners and honestly, I didn't come into this season with a lot of expectations. We had Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, was kind of hurt in contract talks, didn't know what was going to happen. 
Then Anthony Richardson was going to be the rookie. We didn't know how he was going to be. Then he got hurt out for the season. Now we have Gardner Minshew, which he's an electric guy on the offense. He's a really pump up. He's a motivator. You know, he's a, he's a locker room guy at the very least. He'll win you some games. We just need to find a way to beat the Bucs here. We need Baker Mayfield to stumble like we've seen him stumble. We need Baker to be Baker. We just cut Shaquille Leonard. I think that's going to be good. It's going to free up some, some ability. You know, give give a younger guy a chance. I know Shaquille Leonard's only 28, but give a you know a guy who's been performing better a chance to, you know, come out and show his stuff. I think the Colts win. Baker Mayfield's been middle of the road. And the Bucks have lost five of the last six. And you know, all that sounds good, but I'm making a last minute change to my pick right here. Oh no. I had the Colts. There's something that tells me Tampa's gonna come in. Baker's Baker's gonna do enough. He's been hasn't been playing the best. I think this is a game where he comes in and they're like, oh, okay. Where he kinda cause he comes in waves. You heard it here first. So I got the Bucks going in Andy. I would like them to lose. Just because it would help the Saints, but I think the Bucks going Andy get the win. That's fair. So moving on to another divisional game, maybe the most surprising good game. Like if before the season, if we would have said seven and three Jags, six and four Texans, like the best CJ Stroud might be that dude. Maybe one of the best matchups of the entire weekend. Absolutely, you have a bunch of matchups where it could be like the good team just slaughtering the bad team. And CJ, this is a tough divisional matchup that CJ has Trout, contentions. Stroud. I think he is that dude. He very well could be. I think he could be. Um, Jacksonville, they beat the shit out of the Titans last week. They, yeah, they, they pretty much cemented themselves. They as had a, leader a bad in the loss division. the week before, I think, to the Niners at they home. Did. But it's the Niners, so it's it's not yeah, a respectable loss, but it's better. Not the way they lost. They lost right. like thirty-seven to three. But they came back after that loss, obviously with the vengeance. They took it out on the Titans. C.J. Stroud on the other taking hand. taking on C.J. Stroud, who just continues. Fire He with leads three, the three NFL in wins. passing yards per game. Right. Almost Fire. 300. They didn't, and honestly, last week was his worst game in a little while, and they still figured out a way to win, which tells you this team is kind of coming together. My hook here, <laughs> I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a little bit more crafty. He was crafty in college. He's been crafty so far in the NFL, and I think the experience from him is going to cause him to kind of vibe with the odds and win you know. i agree i think it's gonna be a game where both quarterbacks play pretty well and kind of showcase themselves but i i agree with you i think the experience just being as a starter a little bit in the a nfl little longer, a little longer right? than cj stroud vibing with that offense a little bit more playing with the guys a little bit more being on that team knowing them i think, I think that's gonna matter a lot yeah i think trevor and the jags figure out a way to get this one win, get this one done and get the dub in houston so let's move on. Next game, the seven and three Kansas City Chiefs coming off of a gut wrenching loss against the Eagles, where they really that tush push is a bitch. But I mean, it was a game where the Chiefs yeah they, they didn't had have chances it. to win this game. They had multiple chances, but the the Eagles did what it took to score the last points. And they're taking on the Vegas uh, Raiders, coming in off a loss to the Dolphins. But I think they're one and one since they fired Josh McDaniels. Yeah, um, they at least have some. They have a respectable loss to the Dolphins. It seems like the team is happy Josh McDaniels isn't there anymore. And so most they have of good, the team, most of the uh, <laughs> the coaching staff is gone, actually. They have good vibes coming in. But I just think the Chiefs coming off of a loss like they did, there's no way the Chiefs are losing two games in a row, especially to a division opponent. There can't be many times where Patrick Mahomes has lost two games in a row in his career. I think the Chiefs go into Vegas, 
I think they're winning by more than nine as well. I do. I think they come at, and they just perform well. I think Kelsey probably goes off. Um, this is going to be an over 43 type game. I think this is going to be so an too. absolute, like, uh, Patrick Mahomes rookie or whatever season was his best season last or two seasons ago. I'm going to say like 34-21, 34-24. I think the Chiefs get the dub. And just an absolute stunning performance by Patrick Mahomes. Now let's move on to maybe one of the most interesting matchups of the week. Coming into the season, we said the Jags-Texans, nobody thought that would be a good game. Beginning of the season, Eagles versus the Bills in you'd, week 12 of the NFL, you'd say that was like a Super Bowl matchup. And the Bills have been shit. Bills have not been playing well, 6-5, and five, but their first game since they fired their offensive coordinator, they put up 32 points against a good Jets defense. So maybe they've kind of turned things around. They definitely have the talent. They're taking on the Eagles team coming off a huge win. Huge win over the in Chiefs. In Kansas City. Eagles hosting the Bills. I think Buffalo has shown a lot of weakness in situations where the Eagles have shown the poise to win games. I agree with you, but I think the Bills, this is a game 6-5. and five. They know they have to have. I think Josh Allen steps up. I think he has a monster game. And I think the Bills somehow, some way, get a win that they have to have in Philadelphia. Eagles riding high off of a huge win, maybe a little letdown. I think the Bills go and get the dub. In order for that to happen, Stephon Diggs needs to be involved Agreed. heavily in the offense. But you also cannot not target Gabe Davis. You have to at least attempt to spread the ball around. I understand the game plan gets away from you, but you can't not target some of your best receivers. I mean, they looked good last week. Bottom line, I all think that the Eagles is, are going to win. All that's true what you said. Josh Allen has to protect the ball, though. He, he absolutely does. You cannot That's keep, the key to them. You winning. cannot throw 11 picks in the NFL and expect to win more than six games. All right, so the last game we're going to cover, another big game, the Baltimore Ravens. <clears throat> right now sitting at the number one seed in the AFC at 8-3, and three, traveling cross-country to play in L.A. against the Chargers, the 4-6 and six Chargers. The Baltimore Ravens are the quietest, best team in the NFL. Their team, not a lot of people are talking about, and they can definitely hang with anybody, especially the way they play. Right. They've been playing great, fantastic on the ground, not even needing Lamar Jackson to throw the ball more than 225 yards a game. It's amazing. But then last week he unloads. You know, he, he goes off, throws two, three touchdowns, 285 yards or something like that. He does what he has to do, even in a game where he doesn't have to do it, showing them the dynamic range of that offense. And then the Chargers, what is it, like Chokesville, USA? Yeah, Chokesville, USA is a good way to put it. I think jo not Josh, Justin Herbert and Tony Romo are the same fantasy quarterback. That's All it. this is true that you said, but I'm making a late switch. To Again? I'm making another late switch. I think the Chargers at home. This is the kind of game. This is what Justin Herbert does. He plays like shit. The team plays. He doesn't play like shit, but the team doesn't win games. But then they do just enough to draw you back in to make right. you think they're a good team. I think the Chargers, especially considering they're playing at home, Baltimore's traveling cross country. The Chargers have it in them. We all know they have it in them. It's can they do it? I think this is one of the games where they... They show that flash in the pan like, oh, this is what that team could be, and they get the dub. Okay, a couple stats to support your Chargers, uh, you know, mantra or whatever you want to call it right now. The Chargers are top, top 10 in the following categories. Points per game, yards per game, passing yards per game, third down efficiency, and sacks. But they have the clutch level 
of like what Desmond Ritter. I mean, that's unfair to Desmond Ritter. Why are you just throwing that dude under the bus? I don't know. Who do you want to say, Johnny? Uh, Manziel? You said Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Can You're we just double name the guys that aren't good? That's not clutch. <laughs> Tony okay, Romo. coach level of Tony Romo. Then. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I picked the Ravens for sure. Welcome back to Stakes and Takes, our betting segment where we're going to kind of apologize for what we got. Well, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to tell you what I got wrong. And then we're going to try to get more things right this week than we did last week. Sounds good? I don't know if I can get more right than I did last week. Well, why don't you try to do better? Because you didn't do perfect. Didn't do perfect, but All right, nobody's so perfect. UFC Vegas 82. I went 3-3. Three and three. How'd you do? Of UFC Vegas 82, I went four and two. Okay. My two losses, the main event, I had Paul Craig, obviously Brendan Allen won. And then and then the opening fight. Jesus Christ, I that had one. The Dr. Medich taking on Oral by Oral by the ne- Neanderthal. Yeah. Short notice. And he came in Oral by in dominant dominated. fashion. Yeah. I got that one wrong too. Uh, I also got Luana Panero and Jordan Levitt wrong, but I did get, as well as you, um, Talbot, Peyton Talbot. Michael Morales, but then I picked the main event right. Brendan Allen, Louisiana boy. College football, we both went 5-0, and so congratulations to us there. Thank pick, you're pick, welcome. Picked the same five fights. Georgia, Arizona. Football games. That too. Washington, Clemson, Kansas State. Clemson, Kansas State were pretty close games. Kind of got Washington. scary, got sweaty. I mean, Washington was 22-20. That's true. Yeah, a few of the games got scary, but we we held out, went five and zero, so I'm happy with all that. And then the NFL, I went three and two. I got the Bills right, the 49ers right, and the Browns right, but both of my bets were wrong. Bengals and Chiefs. It was kind of kind of disgruntled. Yeah, I went four and one. I picked the Eagles. That was our only difference in the NFL. I got that right. Kind of gave you the edge on the whole week, huh? So kind of gave me the edge on the whole week. I went eleven and five on my uh, on my takes i went 13 and 3 so i had another great week fuck that's that's tough how'd you do in betting uh my stakes i went three and two dude i also went three and two i got michael morales money line right i got kansas state money line right and i got washington money line right i lost on the Bengals money line and the chiefs money line two bad beats that i think betting them this coming week will prove um you know positive in your future yeah, so I went three and two as well. My two losses, both my UFC bets. I had Paul Craig money line, obviously a loss. That was a I, big, a big plus though. That was like a plus three ten underdog. Yeah, I thought the line was a little uh, out of whack, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, um, it, it was right in line. Then I had the medit. I had Medich the doctor uh, money line. He lost to Oral by the, on short notice. Yeah, but I guess I did, you kind of thought he was going to be fighting Parsons. I did, but I still would have done the same thing. Probably. Yeah, I, I would have thought it'd even been heavier odds, but. But I did get my three uh, football bets right. Two of them college. That was Washington money line and UGA, the Georgia Bulldogs money line. And then my NFL bet, Cleveland Browns money line. With I made the bet with Deshaun Watson as a starter. Between the time I made the bet and the game started, he's out for the season. Yeah, DJP started. DTR. DTR. DJP. I don't know who DJP is. DTR started. Dorian Johns Peoples. That's... Nobody. No, are, you just mix two people together. Who am I thinking of? There's <laughs> Darius. No. Yeah, there's a a People's Jefferson or something. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. But yeah, 
DTR. Dorian is his first name. There you go. Thomas Robinson, I believe. There you go. He started for the Browns. The Browns defense is <laughs> like it's pretty good. Scary good. They got them the win. DTR did just enough. So thank God for him. Thank so, God for the Browns. We don't have any fights this week. We got to wait till next week for UFC Austin. So leaning into the stakes for this week, I got five football bets. I got three college, two NFL. What you got? I did two college, three NFL. Sorry. Right, let's go college first. I went Tulane Moneyline, minus 155. I went LSU over 66 and a half points with the Aggies. And I think this one we have the same. I have Ohio State money line as my, uh, as my you know, top tier pick or stake. Yeah, I also had Ohio State money line plus one forty two. My other college bet was the Old Miss Rebels money line. Took a little bit of a favorite here, minus four twenty five. That's fine. NFL. I have the Eagles money line. I have the Bills money line at plus 154, so we're different on that. Battling there. I got the Ravens money line as my fifth bet. Okay, my other two bets, 49ers money line, minus 290, and then the Chiefs versus the Raiders, the Chiefs money line, minus 395. Yeah, I can't see them losing two in a row. Especially to the Raiders. Yeah. So last week, we uh, we both we started one thing new. We're going to just do it every week, kind of pick one, not really keep track of it too much, maybe just say like, I got it right or I got it wrong from Who last week. Who was your uh, upset pick last week? So I thought the uh, the Vikings were going to beat the Broncos, and uh, they came just short. They did. I got mine right. Yeah, you did. The Washington Huskies, we, Washington. Thought, we thought that line was a little funky, and, and it was. We both picked Washington to win the game, and they it was a close game, 22-20, I believe. They won 22-20. They were, I mean, they're undefeated, and they were plus odds it was like plus 110 but still yeah i mean plus is plus that's that's what i call an upset of the week so, so this week i'm kind of following the same line i took one of the best teams in the country with plus odds they are taking on another one of the best teams in the country for college football i have the number two ohio state buckeyes as my upset of the week beating the number three michigan wolverines plus 142 is what i got it at yeah i have the uh, exact same thing i thought with you know the the stats i saw you know, last time Michigan was favored in a game, they lost 62 to 39. I thought I think the exact same thing. I think Michigan Ohio State is going to win this game, get the upset of the week for that plus 142 or 145 money line. Check us out next week on episode 24 when we preview UFC Austin College Football Championship Week in week 13 of the NFL.